That was just advertisement. <laughs> it wasn't about gaining enlightenment tonight. But, but, if what I'm going to say tonight makes sense to you and you enjoy it, then perhaps, perhaps, if you're ready to work really hard, this life, not a tall order, this life, possible. It all depends on the individual and his practice. You understand that, right? You're not coming up here and ask for blessing at the end of the discussion. <laughs> I can do it, but it's just not going to work. Okay, now, can I have a show of hands? Because it's still a bit early. It's not going to be a very long lecture. We're going to have a bit more time talking and question and answer. But can I have a show of hands? Um, how many of you are here tonight um, for the first time in Mangala? Seriously, got up. Huh. Oh, okay. Hi. Well, Mangala um, does run a series of classes over the weekends. So if feel free to join them over the weekends also, huh? But I don't teach the weekend ones. I teach once a month max. Okay. Um, what do you know? Question first, huh? What do you know by the term enlightenment? Anybody? Just whisper and answer, and then your neighbor will. Tell me the answer. <laughs> what, what, do, what do you understand? Why are you here? Actually, my question should be, why are you here? Wake up. <laughs> well said. Wake up. Okay, that's, that's enlightenment version one. Wake up. What else? What do you understand by the term enlightenment? Yeah? Enlightenment means... Exactly. Give her a round of applause. Yes, that's it. Exactly. Because the whole idea in our practice, in our path, for this, for the Buddha's Dhamma, is about relief from dukkha. Dukkha. What is dukkha? Suffering. Suffering. Actually, dukkha. One understanding of the word dukkha, usually typically translated as suffering. But if you had attended other talks by me, you would have heard ad nauseum that suffering is a more extreme form of dukkha. Dukkha is a spectrum of emotions, sensations, which are unpleasant. Meaning, if you are mildly annoyed, very mildly annoyed, that's a form of dukkha. If you're profoundly distraught, that is of course dukkha. See the difference? But they are all unpleasant. Sorry, I can't be dancing around tonight. I can't even stand still. You have to bear with static presentation. Okay, now, what I'm going to do tonight is to actually talk about learning a process of learning 
and understanding in this path. Meaning to say, when you set out and you say, I'm a Buddhist, what do you do? I pray to Buddha. Anything else you do? No, I pray Buddha. <laughs> you start from that, that position. Huh? From I don't know much, I only pray to Buddha. Huh? From that position to a point in your life when I say what is Buddhism and you can rattle off a book. That kind, starting from nothing, base zero, only know who Buddha is, was starting from that point to a point when you know the Dhamma and you understand the Dhamma. That journey, it is a journey. It's a mental journey. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a while. How long the while depends on you. Do you want it to be the MRT version? Which is fast or slow? <laughs> also got breakdown. That is true. Fast or slow? Depending on the individual, because some of you say what well, I'm slow. Starting from just taking an MRT, taking a bus, taking a bicycle, to however fast. Supersonic speed, Concorde speed, which is now defunct, but never mind. Concorde speed. It all depends on the individual. How fast, how slow, this journey depends on you. Okay? And this journey is a journey of enlightenment. It is not just something that happens overnight. It is a travel. It takes time, but it gets there. If you are focused on the goal, knowing what the goal is, if you're focused on it, and you put in the effort, and you keep watching your mind, eventually you will get there. Okay? Now, slideshow. You know, Singaporeans love slideshows. Don't take picture until I ask you to. <laughs> Because there are many lines, I save paper, you see. So there will be many lines to one slide, and which is the reason for the uh, earlier uh, hesitation. Because I was trying to make sure that you only get to see one line at a time. Okay. Now, in the time of the Buddha, this is a very famous. This particular sets of lines. They are very, you can see, right? It's very famous. In the time of the Buddha, he used to say, okay? You come to a teacher when conviction has a reason you visit a teacher. What does that mean by conviction? Conviction here is the word sadda, faith, okay? When faith has a reason, you visit a teacher. If you see all the words at one time, you're going to skip every line. You're just going to get a scan and move on. And that's the reason why I don't want you to have everything. I want you to see line by line and be able to appreciate each line for what it's worth. You start off, every time you learn something, okay, when you're new to that something, you seek a source of information. Yes? 
You wouldn't presume that you know the answer, you will go look for the knowledge. In the old days, when you're looking for the knowledge, you look for a teacher. Today, you check out internet. <laughs> Your first teacher may be Wikipedia. <laughs> but in the old days, they don't have Wikipedia, no Google. So they all will check out a teacher. That is why, in the time of the Buddha, he will say this. And this is important. Because there were many, many teachers. You think about it. When you set out on your search, on your quest for the Dhamma, wouldn't you be looking at the spread of possible teachers? Just think back of your own experience. Why do we need to be mindful of that? Because when you are new, you don't know better. So you just check out whatever that comes on the market. People say, good, I go. Yeah? How many of you are like that? People say, good, I go. <laughs> Almost everyone, uh, word of mouth. Okay, so, but the Buddha add in one more line here. Did you notice? One more phrase. When conviction has arisen, it didn't say, you bruh bruh go see teacher. It says, you have conviction. Now, why would you have conviction? When would you have conviction? Hello? <laughs> You're expecting a trick question. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> okay. I will take it as a maybe. You will have conviction when you have some information. Meaning to say, you have some idea about what the person sells or teaches. The reason why I use the word sell is because in the time of the Buddha, there were many brands, many people selling their products, and there were a lot of contests, competition for students. Because students in those days means money. Today, students don't mean money. But in the old days, they do mean money. So there's a lot of hawking off their way. Now, when in those days, because there were so many people selling, it was important that they, have, they were able to deliver some of their teaching. People believe it, they go. That is why the set of point here says, when there is conviction, you visit the teacher. You have some idea about what they are selling. You think it's worth your time. You go check them out. That is the start point. And if you apply it in your own life, it's not very different. You will check someone out with a somewhat open mind, yes? You surely will not go intending to go there and argue left, right, center, man. I don't believe you, I go. What, your time a lot, huh? Usually, you have some idea, a little bit of idea. Maybe not everything, but enough for you to say, okay, I'll check this person out. Get it? So this is the start point, and it's only a start point. Having visited one draw, one grows close, or one goes, draws close. What does this mean? Actually, this is something that doesn't happen here in Singapore today. 
but in the time of the Buddha, it is not uncommon. Meaning to say, when they check out a teacher, they make sure they know him better. For you guys, for our world today, maybe because of the sheer number, you check out, you may not draw close. In fact, many a time, you stay far. <laughs> Buddha's advice, you want to learn something, you want to know the doctrine, it is good to really find out more. Okay? Having grown, grown close one lens year. What does that mean? Listen. Very good. But look at this one. Having lens year, one hears the Dhamma. You know, he breaks the thinking process into parts. So much so that you, he's describing the mental state of an individual who goes and learn the Dhamma. You go visit doesn't mean you are going to pay attention. If you don't pay attention, you will hear nothing. You can be physically present, but mentally absent. A war. <laughs> mentally a war. Get it? So, if you are prepared to spend the time and come here, please pay attention. And if you pay attention, hopefully you will hear the Dhamma, not a given or I pay attention and I hear nothing also bolea. Because I don't understand what's going on. Okay? This is where it gets challenging. Today easy. You put up your radio, your, your recorder on it, level mile. I don't hear level mile, I can go home and hear again. In the old days, they can't. But the more important thing is, after you have heard, what do you remember? Because whatever you forget, you can't practice. Buddha has this very cute description of the kind of people who attended his talk. One time, he said, lab, lab learner. What does it mean? Stand up for God already, everything drop off. <laughs> Only when you sit, the knowledge is there. The moment you stand up, all gone, all drop off. Do not be a lab learner. When you walk out of this place, hopefully remember something. It is only when you remember that it is possible for you to practice. And if you do not practice, there is no way you can deeply digest the Dhamma. One last one. Penetrated the meaning, one comes to an agreement through pondering the teachings. Incidentally, right up until this point of that line, oh, you can take photo already. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, I, I moved out of the way first. I don't want your photo to have me in it. Okay, now, um, up until this point, this is not realization. Huh? This is only understanding what he said. Okay? Understanding what he said, meaning a conceptual appreciation. Conceptually, this is not realization. Okay? There it is. 
okay, thanks. I just forgot. Yeah, okay, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, can I stand? I think behind your chair. There being an agreement to pondering the teachings, desire arises. Okay, usually when I teach, uh, I will just speed through all these things without me taking you through line by line. Let me, let me just recap again. Uh. You have some knowledge of a teacher's teaching, some knowledge. You then go visit the teacher. Get a bit closer so that you can hear the Dhamma and remember, uh, hear the teaching and remember the teaching because you do remember some of the teaching it is possible for you to spend a bit of time understanding conceptually what is said it is only after you have examined those teaching superficially but never mind it is only after you have examined it meaning to say you already know what he said you may not have realized but you know what he has taught and because you know what he has taught you feel that you agree with it he makes sense whatever he's saying makes a lot of sense i like what i'm hearing get it it has to be i hear him i like what he said i have agreement with what he said i think i want to know it better this desire it's about wanting to know it better. And when your desire has a reason, you are willing. The question is, willing about what? What is this willing here? What do you think? The practice, the path, going onto the MRT, the train. When you are willing to go on the path, you start your contemplation. Having contemplated, you make an exertion. Having made an exertion, you realize with the body the ultimate truth. Having penetrated it with discernment, you see it. This is a description of the process you will go through when you are on this journey. Now I can take picture. <laughs> oh, where's my Ah. Okay, let me just explain something here. In order to understand the Dhamma, it is not something that you learn here and then pack it away. It is a way of life. It is when you finally understand the Dhamma, it shapes the way you think, it shapes your values, it changes you as a person. It's a very fundamental change to you in terms of your priorities, in terms of what you see as important, sometimes in terms of who you are, whom you think you are, who you think you are very fundamental change to your character can happen. Things that you used to value, you may not value anymore. Things that never seem to matter to you suddenly becomes important. So the Dhamma, when realized,
tasted and realized has very fundamental change to a person's character and life. In order to allow that kind of transformation to happen to you, you have to really, really penetrate the meaning. You understand? It doesn't mean that once you penetrate it, you're going to drop everything. Oh, I'm <laughs> Meaning I become Sangha member. It, it doesn't mean that. The change is more subtle than that. But it does mean people around you will notice the difference. Okay? So, even just this, just these lines, these lines, just these lines, the change takes time. It doesn't happen, oh, I go listen for Dhamma talk and that's it. It actually takes time. You go, you listen, you hear, then you start to look at what is taught and how it correlates to your mind, to the workings of your mind, correlates to your life. And only when you say, hey, actually, Buddha made a lot of sense. What he said made a lot of sense. That is when you start to absorb the teaching and the different parts of it begin to slowly dawn on you that it's important I have to do it his way. And when you start to do that, that's when the change will start. Okay? Now, when you understand this, if you appreciate this, we'll move on to the next lot of the learning process. When the Blessed One, then the Blessed One, this is a different, different sutta, having encompassed the awareness of the entire assembly with this awareness, asked himself, who is capable of understanding the Dhamma? He saw this individual, Subhubuddha, sitting in the assembly and it, caught, it occurred to the Buddha, this person is capable of understanding the Dhamma. And then he gave a step-by-step -step talk, a talk on giving, dana, a talk on sila, satga, that's heaven, adinava, which is the danger, it actually means danger, drawbacks, degradation, corruption, essential passions, and uh, net karma, renunciation. Okay. Now, don't look at the words. You can take pity on that. I'm going to explain this next. Two points to make here. Point number one. It is not that everyone at any time is capable of understanding the Dhamma. There are certain conditions necessary. Okay? So I will not say that tonight nobody will understand. You will understand, some of you. How deep you understand depends on the individual. What it means by the first part of the, the, the stanza is this. Depending on your mental condition, because he scanned the mind of the audience. Depending on the mental conditions present, at that point, when you are seated there listening, okay, at the point when you are seated, whether you are seated listening to me, or when you're at home reading your suttas, or reading from the internet, at the point when you have contact with the Dhamma, 
at that point what's in your mind what are the conditions in your mind if the conditions are right there and then as you read you understand if the conditions are wrong you read for the 30th time still catch no ball so the question then is what are these conditions yes so fast catch no boring <laughs> have you attended my other talks before have you heard of me kept saying about the five mental states never heard of ever heard of 37 factors of enlightenment have you heard of it this is mangala you know Students of Mangala rattle off the design factors of enlightenment like that. <laughs> okay, never mind. I will just give you the five of them. No need all 37, just five critical core ones. Huh? If you are hearing for the first time, please write it down. There are five mental factors, five mental conditions that when they are present, the mind is almost ready. Number one, sat. The. Number two, Viriya. Number three, Sati. Number four, Samadhi. Number five, Panya. Sadda, confidence, which is a deeper form of conviction that we saw earlier. Sadda. What is this sadda, I'm going to just go through this, huh? the five mental conditions, please write it down if you need to. This sadda typically has been said to be faith in the triple gems, Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, right? And then you say, I have faith in the triple gem. Yes, you have. But does your faith in the triple gem make you completely open to what the Buddha said? Buddha say jump, you jump. Buddha say walk, you walk. Buddha say stop, you stop. Does it do? Does it make you do that? Or it is, I have faith. I tonight must go home and bow. <laughs> bow three times. Not happy. Bow five times, just to show my faith. What is it? Faith is a mental condition. And a mental condition that leads to you being absolutely obedient. And you say, blind favor. It's about the Dhamma. Lah. Whatever is prescribed there, you follow accordingly. And what was prescribed as part of the Dhamma? Eightfold path. Absolutely, eightfold path. You will just do it. And what is the Eightfold Path? There's one entire segment on cleaning up the mind space, which is Viriya, okay? Cleaning up the mental space. Meaning, do good, do no evil, avoid all kinds of nastiness. When was the last time you scold someone? <laughs> when was the last time your temper got the better of you? When was the last time you snapped? That, that kind of little, little things. Then you say, wow, so fussy. Ah. It's not the so fussy part. It's that your mind must be soft. Every time you are not nice, or you get upset, or you react, 
at that point when you react, your mind is hard. You understand? The mind has to be soft to be able to see the Dhamma. But when your mind is hard, when you're pushing back, or when you are agitated, when you're restless, when you are sad, all these kind of um, energies, mental energies, are actually an obstacle to the practice. When you are restless, when you're supposed to meditate, don't want to meditate, want to go sleep, that kind of... These are all mental energies that make your mind harder, not pliable, not, not soft enough to be, to be receptive. You understand? So that's the that's a critical reason why we want to do good to no evil. It's not just so that my karma not so bad. It is about the practice. Okay? So sadha would mean you will do as the Buddha said. And I will explain to you a little bit more later on what the Buddha said. Okay? Right now we just move on. Sadha, mental energy, I have absolute faith in the Buddha, I know he was right, I know he was a great teacher, I know a lot of people realised in his time, I know he was a great practitioner, he walks the talk, he, yeah, he walked the talk. And he's fully realised, whatever that he taught, it works, so I believe that. And because I believe that, I want to see it for myself, I want to see the Dhamma for myself, get it? And the Dhamma works. What is the Dhamma? What is the formula he left behind that teaches you how to tame your mind so that you will be relieved of Dukkha? That's the Dhamma. A formula, a method of teaching that teaches you how to get out of Dukkha. And I believe it works. It works. Now the third one is do you believe you can do it? And that is Sangha. You say, no, 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 Sangha is about Sangha, the man in robe. No. It is, yes, about the man in robe, but the man in robe did it. The Sangha members succeeded in achieving that. They are a living embodiment of the success of the path. That the method works. If you believe it can work for them, how can it work for you? Because my marriage not enough, really. You're born in Singapore. You live in a good world. You have access to the Dhamma. You're married, not good enough. You're not running for your life. You see what I'm saying? So the faith is also about whether or not you believe that it is possible for you. If you don't believe it's possible, something's over. I believe Buddha, but I don't believe myself. That's what you're saying. So if you do have sadha. If you do have sadha, you also believe it's possible for you. Because it's not just about you, you know, it's about the path, the method. If you say it doesn't work for you, then you're saying the method doesn't really work, it only works for some people. You see what I'm saying? So you must think about that, huh? Careful what you say. That's sadha. Second one, virya. Traditionally, virya has been translated as energy, energetic, yes? It is correct, except that when you go into the sutta, you will see that it is not just energy. It is energy to achieve something. The Buddha said, you have virya 
to see the mind that when there are negativities, unwholesome thoughts, when they arise, you will push them out. When they are already there, when these thoughts are, these unwholesome thoughts are already there, you, if they are there, you push them out. If they are not there, you don't let them come up. If you have positive thoughts, you proliferate them. If they are not there, you make them come up. So if that is the case, virya is not just energy. Virya is the energy to keep your mind space, your mind pure. That's the Virya Buddha was talking about. And don't underestimate this. For many of us, we take morality lightly. At, at most, we say, oh, don't kill, don't steal, that. What? like that's so easy. Yeah. It's a lot more than that. It's about keeping your mind soft, gentle, kind. Why do you think Buddha used words like Brahma Vihara? Brahma Vihara is not just for the realized being, it's for all of us. In our daily life, if we are happy, we are gentle, we are kind, we are easy, the mind is soft. Why do you need a soft mind? So that you can do sati and samadhi. If you have no softness in your mind, your sati is ti only no sa. <laughs> and your samadhi, never heard of. Tomorrow then do. And guess what? Tomorrow never come. Sati, samadhi will be discussed in other lectures, but they are very important mental skills that will get the mind to become quiet and still. So imagine, uh, we're talking about a mind that is soft, that is gentle, that is happy because when virya done correctly, you will be happy. Your virya done wrongly, you will make other people unhappy. <laughs> yourself included, okay? So if your virya is done correctly, there is actually a softness and a lightness in your heart. You are happy. Because you are happy, it is possible for your mind to concentrate. The sati samadhi is possible. So for those of you who say, I can't sit there, is it because you're very angry? Huh? Or is it because you're very stressed? At work, very stressed. If your work is very stressed, how to sit? You sleep. You understand? So then you say, yeah, but my work is always stressed. Yes, that's because you have a lot of wanting at work. If you're wanting not so much, your stress not so high. It's just like that, huh? This is just like that. Now, if you can do sati samadhi, no need very high level, sufficient for the mind to calm down. Be quiet, be gentle. Sufficient for that. That's a start point. Okay, that's a start point. You ask yourself this. Just ask yourself this. Those days, those points, maybe not days, those five minutes when you were calm, quiet, not stressed up, nobody disturbed you, you lie back on your chair, you stretch out your leg, you go, nice. Oh, Bob? <laughs> Have or not? It not a bit more. Yeah. Have, right? Have. Those moments, uh, did you pull out the Dhamma book? <laughs> In those moments, right, when you stretch out, don't want the cigar, okay? Don't want cigar, don't want, don't want the cognac, 
don't want to connect, okay? Those moments when you sit back, you quiet, the mind's quiet, it's been a good day, your wife said you're very nice, your kids say daddy you're very good, that sort of nice days, huh? quiet, gentle, nice days. Those times, did you, did you just sit back and reflect on Dhamma? Because not everybody pull out book. Uh, did you pull out your iPad <laughs> with the suitor in it? Did you? Did you? Don't have. Uh, what did you do? Relax. Relax is good. But that's the relaxed moment is when you read the Dhamma. Because when your mind gets into that state of quiet, calm and joy, the four sets, two, two of them are there, the other two can come up, so it can go quiet, it can go calm. In those moments, if you have stored up enough Dhamma knowledge, you might actually see Dhamma. Okay? I kid you not. When you are quiet, let's, let's say when you're brushing your teeth, okay? Brushing your teeth, or because other toiletry habits we don't want to go into, like just brush teeth, okay? <laughs> brush teeth, wash face up in those moments. Quiet, do nothing, don't read your handphone, just quiet, do nothing, just brush. In those moments, have you all gone quiet before? Are you suddenly aware of awareness? Yes? Yes? I'm so happy you're here tonight, not your head happily. Yes, huh? In those moments, have you seen Buddha's Dhamma, Anicca? One moment of Anicca will protect you for life. I'm not, I'm, I'm making it in a joke, but it's for real. In all those quiet moments, just split minute, you are in the, today very fanciful, very popular word, you are in the now. In the present moment. In those present moments, your mind is actually ready for Dhamma. It may last a split second, so the Dhamma talk must be very fast. <laughs> It may last a split second, but if you have it often, more and more, it will last a bit longer. You understand? Those are the quiet moments when the mind can and should contemplate the Buddha's Dhamma. Okay? And if the Buddha, if you were in the presence of the Buddha, at that moment he tells you the Dhamma, you would understand. It will enlightenment okay so because so but Buddha at that point had that state of mind the Buddha gave him a Dhamma talk but look at this Dhamma talk where in this Dhamma talk lies the word for noble truth in the Eightfold Path where in that who said this is the one Sorry. Ta-da. This, can you see my red dot? Follow the red dot. This, 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 and this are the themes that made Super Buddha realize Dhamma. But nowhere in these lie the words Four Noble Truth and Eightfold Path. And yet, it's there. The Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Paths, they are there. Can you see it? Can you see it?
can you see it? But is that a new chant? You see, this is Dana, Sila, Saka, right? Let's just start with those. What is Dana? Giving. When we talk about giving, two things are happening. Okay, for those of you who dana a lot, two things are happening. Number one, if you are giving correctly, your heart opens. There is a lot of letting go because you are taking something for yourself with empathy, kindness, compassion, you name it, offering it to another. Correct dana, correct giving, the heart opens. There is joy, there is um, a lot of very happy sensations. The heart is light. If you have given, but you never felt what I just said, go back, give again. <laughs> give Salah already, must give again. Correct giving, the heart opens. There's a lot of joy. Understand that? The second point about giving is this. The purest form of giving is when your ego is not there. Because giving is about another, not about you. So in the process of giving, when the mind is light and the heart is open, it is all about letting go of the I. It's not conscious. It's not a conscious thing. I am letting go of my I, I give you this. It is not conscious. But when you give, you're thinking of the fella. It is not about you, yes? For those of you who give a lot, I'm staring at you. Yes, that is how it should be. Letting go of the ego, letting go of your own pleasures, letting go of your own interests, no I, no mind, no self, you give. So in just this part, this is Buddha giving talk, eh? this is not me giving talk. Buddha giving talk, sure, very kila one. Sure, the person will feel the letting go. Okay? Virtue. Sila. Sila is about restraint of the mind and your negative instincts. But it is not just that. It's about doing good. Doing good. Not just doing, not doing evil. It is about doing good. In doing good, similarly, the heart opens. When you're doing good, when you're restraining the negativities, so even in the word sila, it is about compassion. It is about empathy, loving kindness. You name it, the Brahma Viharas are in the sila. You do sila properly, there's a lot of empathy. Do not do unto another what you don't want another to do to you. Empathy. So if you spend your time saying, I am a vegetarian, you know, I don't kill. I don't eat meat. 
I'm a very nice person. Then your sila not there lah. Salah. But if you say that I have a bad temper, I must watch it. I try not to hurt another. That is sila. You understand? Because I don't want to be hurt, I try not to hurt. That is a form of sila. You're moving on. Saga about the heavens. This part of the talk is about karma. It's about lifting the mind. You are doing dana, you are doing sila, you will go to the heavens. There will be joy that you stir up in a person's mind. But the punchline comes in the last two. The danger of overindulging, what is that? Because after heaven, everyone is having a wonderful time. Now he says, learn moderation. There is a problem if you overindulge. If you don't know where to draw the line, you will experience Filling the blank, you will experience dukkha. If your craving goes out of hand, hand, huh, go out of hand, if you overindulge, you will just constantly spin in, around indulgence, you will experience dukkha. There is something beautiful about knowing how to let go. And that's nekama, renunciation, letting it go. Your Four Noble Truths are embedded in this talk. Tonight we're not going into this in detail, but it's actually embedded there. Okay? So, having heard just this, Supaputta realized. Not Arahana, three and three. Okay? So, about Understanding the Dhamma, realizing the Dhamma, is about recognizing how to let go. On the way, What is this? Dukkha, Samudaya, Nirodha, Magga. This is Dukkha, okay, this translation, Dukkha. This is the arising of Dukkha. This is the cessation of dukkha. This is the path leading to the cessation of dukkha. Okay. Now. How many of you have heard and are familiar with the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path? All the hands should go up leh. <laughs> You mean you have never heard of the following truths and eightfold paths? Are you sure you're in the right class? You have heard, right? Four noble truths and the eightfold paths. You know, this is the essence of the Dhamma. When you realize the four noble truths and the eightfold paths, you will understand Paticha Samupatta, which is this part. Whatever is subject to origination is all subject to cessation. You understand the Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Paths, 
you will understand Paticca Samuppada. Okay? Now, today is not a talk about those fundamental concepts, but I will talk a little about those. You have heard of the Four Noble Truths and Eightfold Paths, yes? Okay. What is the first one? What's the first Noble Truth? What is, how is it phrased? Do you recall how is it phrased? The Noble Truth of Dukkha, right? The, the way the Buddha phrased it was the Noble Truth of Dukkha, right? The second one is the Noble Truth of the Arising of Dukkha. The third one is the Noble Truth of the Cessation of Dukkha. And there is a path leading to the cessation of Dukkha. The reason why I make you go through the words is this. You need to understand the difference between what the Buddha taught and what is popular understanding. They are not always the same. Popular understanding is the result of men through the century happily rattling off what he understood to be the Four Noble Truths. Sometimes that rattling is off. Now, let's just take the first one. The Noble Truth of Dukkha. Dukkha Arya Satya. It actually means the Noble Truth of Dukkha. What does it mean? He's stating a fact. And the fact has three parts. Okay? He's stating a fact. And the fact has three parts. The first part is the organic processes of life is dukkha. Are dukkha. The organic processes of life are dukkha. Birth, decay, no, sorry, old age, sickness, uh, decay and death are dukkha. What it means is, you like it or not, as you go through life, these experiences present pain. It's just a factual description of an experience. Factual. The organic processes of life is dukkha. The second one is emotion. When you're with someone you don't like, dukkha. When you're away from someone you love, dukkha. Emotional. Yeah? The third one, in short, five aggregates of grasping dukkha. Yes? Understand? Seems obvious, right? Think about it. You need to be able to penetrate this, internalize it. What you're doing is you're thinking. This is correct, this is correct, this is correct. Realization don't have. Actually, if your mind is quiet enough, it would sink in. We don't want to die, but we will. We don't want our loved ones to die, but they will. So what is this life so meaningful about? When the end results for all is a wooden coffin. What is so meaningful about this life? If you see a little bit deeper, it's depressing. Agree? But we don't, you see. That's why in the suttas, amongst the suttas, again and again, the Buddha reminds us 
you will die. The messengers, the three messengers, death, old age, uh, what, uh, ill sickness. Didn't you see them? No. Actually, yeah. Uh, what about the time when he said, sometimes it hit the fella over there, you're not close to the fella, you don't really care. Sometimes it hits the fella you love, it hits you a bit harder. Sometimes it hits you, then you gonna. But still, don't know, sometimes blur blur. You see what I'm saying? This realization has to be internalized before you feel the pinch and want to practice. If you say you understand, but you have never gone on a retreat, you have never meditated, you have never practiced, what do you understand? You see what I'm saying? If you really understand the noble truth of Dukkha, then you now go out, oh, you go to Malacca, but meditate full time. <laughs> or at least tonight go home, sit a while. Because it will hit you right here. Oh, no, 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 here no good. Hit you right here. <laughs> because not only I die, my loved one die. My child die, my parents die, everybody around me die. Oh. Tomorrow all die. <laughs> Better die enlightened, right? The point is, if you really internalize this dukkha, this truth, this teaching, if you really internalized it, the compulsion to practice must bite you really hard. But if you are saying, yeah, 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 it's true, it's true, yeah, 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 it's true, it's true. If it's yeah, 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 then, voila, go home and watch TV. Get it? Okay, the second one, let's let's try round two. Now you all know what the trick question is. So let's try round two, okay? What does round two say? The noble truth of the arising, right? The cause, the origination of Dukkha. What does it say? What? What? What's the noble truth? Craving. What are the three parts? Kamatangha, Bawatangha. Hello, every student. Kyatoroki. Vibawatangha. Yes? Kamatangha. Tangha is craving. Kamatangha. What's Kamatangha? Sensual, sexual. <laughs> sensual. Okay, what is sensual tangha? Hey, thanks. What is sensual tangha? Sense delight. What is sense delight? Seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, etc. etc. Every parts of the external world experienced through your sense basis. Every part of the external world experienced through your sense basis, plus the sixth one, the mind, enjoying them all. That's sense delight. That's sensual tangha. And our very nature of life is like that. We enjoy the sense basis. It's just a fact. How many of you say, God, smelly thing, I want to smell? <laughs> and if you do that, it means you enjoy it. <laughs> That's all. You go for the thing you like. So for some people, they enjoy it. Eat durian, eat durian. Ah, 
well, for some of us, then we only like the nice smelling ones, okay? Enjoy, sense, delight. There's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that it is the habit of us to enjoy, sense, delight. And when we enjoy it, we want more. But you know, the problem is, and this is the punchline, the problem is delighting, delighting is what gives us pain. We want to repeat it again and again. And the problem is we don't get it. Or rather, we get it, but we can't help it. Correct? Huh? We get it, we get that craving is dukkha. We get it, but we can't help it. Yeah? Correct? Huh? Correct? Huh? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> we, we get that craving is dukkha, but we can't help it. That's a correct expression, right? And that's the problem. And the problem can be solved separately. It has to be solved separately. In the second noble truth, what he was saying is describing the cause of the dukkha that we experience. The reason why we experience dukkha is because you have craving. And craving manifests itself in three ways, he said. One is you're chasing after the pleasures associated with the sense basis. You will chase after those pleasures. Secondly, it is a desire to be alive. Power tangha, to be alive, to continue to live. The third one, we bower tangha, we don't want to live. Literally means, we bower literally means don't want to live. I am proposing that a further way of understanding it is this. Sometimes, not so straightforward, sometimes you have experiences which you enjoy and you want to keep repeating the experience. Someone say, hey, you did wonderful work. Nice. Do not go back, think again. He say, I did wonderful work. He say, I did wonderful work. He say, I did wonderful work. You keep repeating, I love it. Sometimes it's the other way around. I don't want to hear it. Your work is crap. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But inside, yeah, keep playing. My work is crap. My work is crap. <laughs> People say, you are here. He say, I'm not nice. I say, I shouldn't wear purple. I shouldn't wear blue. The, it keeps replaying and you don't want it. What is that? There is a want and a don't want. The want and the don't want, they are all one. They are all craving. It's the energy that causes you to go after something again and again. And that energy, that craving energy, is difficult to bear. Dukkha. Okay? Up until here, the Buddha was not saying anything new. He was describing our life up until this point. What is uniquely Dhamma? What is uniquely Buddhism? His teaching is the third noble truth that Dukkha can stop, cease, can end. Understand that? Dukkha as an experience can diminish and the way that leads you to experience the end of dukkha is these eight parts of 
practices. That was what the Buddha said. Okay? The entire Dhamma was about teaching the mind how to achieve the state where it no longer craves. The mental energy of craving and wanting, that tangha energy that gives you the dukkha, the entire Dhamma was devoted to getting you to be able to shut off the energy. And if you practice as he instructed, that ability to shut off will happen. Okay? <clears throat> you understand that? Must I repeat? <laughs> the entire Dhamma, all that he had been teaching for 45 years, was to teach us how to shut down the mind's habit to crave. That's the punchline. And if you truly understand the Dhamma, the craving, the nagging craving that lies within the tangha, the one thing, the one thing, the one thing, that craving, then energy will start to be tamed. And eventually, it will dissipate. You may say, wow, easy what? Don't want now. I already said, one or don't one is one. You don't want la also one. Because I want don't one. <laughs> the energy actually has, it has to quietly dissipate. Okay? And that's punchline number one. Punchline number two, the teachings on anicca, dukkha, anatta, have you heard of this? Impermanence, dukkha, and selfless, substancelessness, soullessness, whatever. The teachings pertaining to anicca, dukkha, anatta, pertaining to paticca, samupadda, all these teachings are to teach the mind to see the nature of the mind as it is when it sees and understands the mind, the mind, when the mind sees and understands its true nature, it will shut down by itself. Okay? So when you go for meditation, you go for retreat, you do all these things, it is to teach the mind to go quiet so that it can see Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta, you see it correctly, you see it well enough, it internalizes properly, you will Xiao Liao. Xiao, 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 not Xiao. Xiao Shi, Xiao Liao. Okay, now, Hokkien Chinese better. The idea is it will extinguish by itself. Okay? And this phrase whatever is subject to origination is all subject to cessation what arises will cease what arises what arises your mind every mental state 
arises as a condition previous state. Whatever arises will cease. Okay? Okay. Last two slides, really. Do you take picture? <laughs> Last two slides, huh? I do not say that the attainment of this is spiritual realization, huh? Is all at once. Rather, the attainment of Noxus is after gradual training, gradual action, gradual practice, and how is there the attainment of this after gradual? Now, what this means is this path. Remember, it's all about your realization of the true nature of the mind. When you realize the true nature of your mind, you will start to don't hold too tight. You start to let go. You start to trim the craving. The entire process, the realization, the, the understanding of the mind, the realization of those features of the mind and eventually the switching off of the craving, it's a gradual process. It doesn't happen all at once. And, and look at this. You have to keep training, keep practicing, keep reflecting, keep reading, understanding, attending Dhamma talk. You continue to do it. And there is no shortcut. You don't want to do meditation, also cannot. Because then yours is like mine like that. Crutch base. Only one leg short. People eight leg, you have seven leg. You understand? No meditation. Worse. All three of them missing. You only got five. Five out of eight. How to score full marks. That's why you need the meditation. But, but, rest assured, meditation is not everything. If you only have meditation and one, one eight, it doesn't take you anywhere either. If you have only, if all you have is samadhi, forget it. Your car didn't even move way at the start point. So just meditation, just concentration meditation alone gets you nowhere. You need all the eight, eight parts. But if you have only six, it gets you nowhere. In fact, if you, get, if you only have five, because meditation is actually the last three parts. Right effort, right, concept, uh, right, right mindfulness, right concentration. It's actually three parts. If you have only five, then next life do the other three. Sorry, next time start all over again. You get it? So you need all of them, okay? No, no, <clears throat> so it's a gradual path. It doesn't happen all at once. For those of you who say that, oh, but I had sudden enlightenment. I don't know what you suddenly realize. Uh. <laughs> but Buddha didn't say it like that. Buddha said it's gradual. Eh? You have to practice, reflect, walk, see, observe the mind, practice some more, continue. Because that's how we learn. That's how we learn. Okay? Just as the ocean has a gradual shelf, a gradual slope, a gradual inclination, inclination, 
with a sudden drop-off only after a long stretch. In the same way, this Dhamma Vinaya has a gradual training, gradual performance, gradual progression, with a penetration of only after a long stretch. There are two parts here that I like to point out to your attention. Two parts. Number one, gradual, 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 yes? Meaning, the early part of the practice takes a while. Because in the early part of the practice, what you are doing is you are detoxing your mind. Detox, ah. Have you done detoxing before? Not of the mind, of the body. <laughs> you know, the very popular one, detox the liver, detox this, and detox that, after that, very hungry. Have you done it before? Very painful, right? Very difficult, right? Because all, all, all you want is to eat those fried food, but cannot. Can only eat carrot, <laughs> celery. Uh -huh. I don't know what else they eat, but very sad when all rabbit food. <clears throat> so, at the initial period, bit by bit, step by step, touch, 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 slowly, slowly, the mind grows. But the second part, a sudden drop only after a long stretch. Did you notice this part? Sudden drop. What does that mean? You build up enough momentum of understanding, suddenly it hits you. That's what it means. Okay? So yes, there is such a thing as a sudden enlightenment. But the sudden enlightenment don't just come suddenly. You have to walk and walk and walk. Walk up and see already. <laughs> Got it. Like that. But when you get it, when you get it, this is when you will cry. And you will go before the Buddha and you will bow and you will give thanks. Why? Because for the first time, your mind no longer experiences dukkha for a while. I must say for a while because there's the next walk. There is the first walk, then there's the next walk, and then there is the next walk. It's a series of sudden drops before you finally get it. Okay? Okay, that's it. You may ask your question. Question? Yes? Just now you're talking about regular training and regular training. Are you talking about one lifetime or seven lifetimes? No, 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 one lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the, your... Oh, uh, I, I'm very glad you asked this question because the next lifetime I'm not responsible, really. <laughs> you know the Buddha... You're chanting, right? Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo You know that, that, that word? What does it say? Akaliko If you know the suttas I mean it's the suttas, the chanting, right? Akaliko, timeless Seen by the wise for himself Now It's all done now Every little step Now, actually, no need to go for that sudden enlightenment thing you just ask yourself this, okay? Next time, when you get upset, when you get agitated, <coughs> if you can remember, 
you just think this. Tomorrow I'm dead. All this is irrelevant. All the fights irrelevant because tomorrow I'm dead. Straight away your mind goes quiet. Your education. Shut up. What just happened? Because you let go, you see. It's a temporary thing, but you let go. So even in something as simple as that, you can see the the, the noble truths in the in operation. Why do you nah, 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 make so much noise? Why do you agitate? Because you want to be right. Your ego is in the way. You want your way. You want to be right. You can't take it. The fellow says he goes on. But if you realize that tomorrow you're dead, you go, ah, hey, it's okay. Lah. You win, lah, you win. Lah. <laughs> you, you let go of that ego. And then that's it. You move on. You know what I'm saying? So just on something as simple as that, you can immediately see that it is true. You can let go, it's okay. It's when you can't let go, it's not okay. You get it? Now, imagine. Oh. Imagine, huh? The mind goes quiet. It doesn't have a rising. It doesn't kick. One thing that you say can't be done. That's where your faith is lacking. Sadda means I believe the Buddha is right. He said it can be done. It can be done. And then you look at the Sangha, they did it. They, the Arya Sangha, did it. It can be done. It has been done. It can be done. Then you say, oh, but it's me, lah. Okay, lor, then you, lor. <laughs> You must believe that it can be done, then you try. Ah, then comes, uh, which wasn't part of the lecture, but since we are at it, I will also go on to say this. You know, if you're familiar with, <clears throat> if you're familiar with the Buddha's teaching, you do know that there are four stages of enlightenment, right? <clears throat> Give me a bit of, yes! Yes! Mm. There are four stages of enlightenment, right? The Sotapana, Sakatagami, Anagami, Arahatta. Okay. What do they mean? Uh? Why must four stages? Uh? Why not just one stage? Let's drop off one stage. Why four? Partly because, it's, as the Buddha said, it's gradual. It's a gradual, gradual thing. Partly it's because your mind has been clinging for such a long time, it's very difficult to just let go. And it let go slowly. The craving trims in stages. And it trims in accordance to how much you really understand the mind. The more you understand, the more you are able to let go. The more you understand. What am I supposed to understand? Anija duka anata. You are supposed to understand anija impermanence, duka and anata. I understand what? You understand the words. 
you didn't understand, you don't understand the mind carrying the characteristics. Meaning, you didn't sit in meditation and watch moment to moment how the mind responds to the world. Stages by stages. God stages or God? Stage by stage. I know, Q&A, since you're not asking, I ask what? <laughs> Q&A, ma. <clears throat> so there are stages that you must see. Uh, impermanence, sound, the, the sound waves hit the ear, got contact, feeling arises, see sound, oh, step by step. Then you say, but I do that all the time. No, you got caught up all the time. You didn't see objectively all the time. You honestly have to see very quietly and objectively. Literally, you see the mind watching the experience. The mind watching the experience. How many of you have gone for a retreat? Thank you. How many of you have never gone for a retreat? The rest needs an explanation of what is a retreat. <laughs> okay. For those of you who have gone for a retreat, how many of you have actually experienced what I just said? That the mind can go still and is aware of awareness. Okay, when you're brushing your teeth, occasionally, for a split second, you are aware of now. Uh, you know, do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Good. For those of you who know what I'm saying, in that moment when you are aware of now, you are aware of a mind observing. What did you do? The question is, what did you do? This is the moment when, if it dawns on you that it is just a passing moment, it's quiet, there is no arising, the mind is quiet. That is what you have to note. Mind can go quiet, has no arising, has no demand, no craving. So at that moment when you are quiet, the mind has no craving. What did you experience? Peace. It can be done what? Your mind just went quiet on its own. You experience peace. So what's so difficult? Ah, but the difficult is it just happened a while. Eh? <laughs> then the question is, what were the conditions that led to that a while? That's the eightfold path. Buddha broke it down to you, gave you a formula and says this is how it will get back to that a while. But we don't believe it. Eightfold path is not very easy. Eh? Hey, right understanding, right thought, right there, right there, right there, right there. Right, 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 right. Pass exam. It's called A. No, actually, these are the steps that lead the mind into the quiet now. In that quiet now, it is when you begin to observe the impermanence of the moment and begin to realize that every time there is one thing, one thing, there will be dukkha. And all these are not driven by you. It is another. It is the conditions of the mind that led to the moment. And it will be the conditions of the mind that lead you away from the moment. It is all another. 
if you can experience this and you begin to see and understand it properly, this must become a mantra for you. Must. You mantra what? This is the mantra. Because with this mantra, on a daily basis, you learn to let go. This is how the mind learns not to hold on. Because the habit of the mind is to hold. But you see, when I'm not, when I'm not agitated, when I'm not looking for something, when I'm quiet, it goes quiet, I feel peaceful. It can be done. I feel peaceful. The problem for many of us is when the mind goes quiet and it goes peaceful, the problem for many of us is we ask ourselves, what's next? <laughs> uh, you ask what's next? A rising of craving. <laughs> A rising of craving, your sensation would be dukkha. Get it? Okay, enlightenment. <laughs> yes. In fact, it's a nightmare because you woke up and you're back in reality. <laughs> <laughs> you're enlightenment only in sleep and sad. Uh. <laughs> okay. Now, the other thing. Let me share with you what I believe. Okay? What I believe is this. If you have, if you, as in you, not you all. If you have the correct understanding of the teachings, Sama Diti properly, if you have the correct understanding of the teaching, if you are prepared to put in a little effort every day, moment to moment in your daily life, when you remember, when you're mindful, you will put in the effort. If you do that, correct understanding is fundamental. And you're prepared to put in the effort. 
I believe, this is a belief, you will get it. Moment to moment, you will get it as in walking down that seabed. And you will grow. And you will look back within a relatively short period, you will look back and say, you know something? I'm beginning to understand the Dhamma. I believe that. Many a times, we don't get it because we are caught up with words, ideas, thought construct, all kinds of people sharing their views, going to the wrong training, and then train all kinds of things around the, basically beating around the bush. What does it mean? Kalama Sutta. Kalama Sutta. Go back, check. K-A-L-A. Ka Lama Sutta. Okay? Sure can remember one. You go check. What is it that the Buddha said? The front part of what he said is actually not important. Kalama Sutta has a whole series of don't this, don't that, don't that, right? Don't just because somebody told you so, you believe it to be true. Don't just because the text says so, you believe it to be true. Don't just because you like what you hear, you believe it to be There's a whole series of don'ts. They're not important. The important is the second part. When you know for yourself that something is happening to your mind, that you are learning to be a better person, a happier person, happier, better person, then whatever that you believe in is probably true. It works for you. So if in your entire life you have been a Buddhist, and in your entire life you are as confused, as lost, as distraught, then all that you have believed, you believe. Not, not your teacher say wrong, ah. you believe. It's wrong. Because it hasn't changed your life. You haven't progressed. You're not a better person, you're not a happier person. What's true? True also not for you, ma. You don't get it? You get it? You have to feel better. Otherwise you'll be human for what? If you want to be human and have a good brain and live in an environment like Singapore with all the wonderful conditions for practice and you don't get it, seriously, next life you can guarantee. Uh, I guarantee got good condition, no need to work for my food, and everything is nicely provided, got air conditioned rooms and more, mic that works, PowerPoint that shows, can guarantee. Uh. Of course you may be daywala. In which case, you can... But you don't know. So, with the Dhamma still here, now imagine uh, you're Dewa, then you live for a long, long time, you come back, there, the Dhamma gone already. Kanaswan. <laughs> huh? So, now, with the Dhamma right before you, you can feel it, you can see it, you can experience it, practice lah, that's all you have to do. Okay? So I believe, if you have the correct understanding, it boils down to that, the correct understanding, if you're prepared to put in the effort, day by day, you will grow. Day by day, you understand the Dhamma. Okay? Is reaching, oh, reading. Is reading considered meditation? No. 
Not really. Reading, well, first it depends on what you're reading. Assuming you're reading the Buddha's suttas, eh, the discourses of the Buddha, assuming you're reading suttas, okay? The process of reading, it, it, it causes the mind to be traveling at a certain speed. It's an active mind absorbing information and storing. Because if you're reading and meditating, nothing goes in. But if you're reading with the intent of something goes in, that process of absorbing it, there is no meditation per se. What is meditation? Meditation is developing the mind. It's like, okay, you can call it concentration, you can call it mindfulness, but I will explain it this way. Meditation is a process where you get the mind to stop thinking and to focus. That's the point. To focus here. Focus. Stop thinking, stop constructing, stop behaving normally, and then just go focus. It has to focus on something. There is no focus on nothing. It is focusing on something. Initial part of the meditation requires that it focus on an object, which typically is breathing. Okay? Why breathing? Actually, there are reasons for it. One is convenience and portability. Because if you use water as an object of meditation, you've got to carry a pail around. <laughs> breathing is easy. You, you carry yourself around. But there's another reason for it. If you develop, you, if you develop your concentration using breathing, if you do it correctly and do it well, wherever you are, you feel at peace. Because breathing is all the time. The moment you become aware of breathing, you are at peace. The mind goes still. You understand? For those of you who have gone for meditation and you're doing it properly and comfortably, you find that every time you become mindful, you're mindful of breathing. And straight away, the mind goes quiet. And straight away, now, it is not, it is not about that breathing. It is not about the breathing. It's about using breathing to get to the mind. You are watching breathing so that it becomes, the mind becomes concentrated and after a while, the breathing disappears, right? It disappears because you now become aware of the mind. It's using breathing to get to the mind. I ask you watch breathing for what? I want you to watch your mind. So, using the breathing, it gets to the stillness of the mind. You do it properly, the mind, some calls it lustrous, doesn't matter lah. The mind is clear to you. And in watching the mind, again, ah, that's not the end game. The end game is not the breathing, the end game is still not the mind. The end game is... The end game is... Letting go. Nirodha. The end game is the mind knowing how to let go. How to let go without using I don't want. Like, 
go. I don't want. Without that, the mind just let go by itself. So you're watching the breathing to get to a state of awareness. You're watching the mind. In looking at this mind, observe the dukkha. It will arise. Observe the dukkha. Observe the anicca. At some point, you begin to realize another. Why must you realize another? Because if you don't realize another, there is always something to cling on to. Until you finally see another, the mind wouldn't let go. It will cling. There is a reason for all these. This is the teaching. And it's there all the time. It's in the suttas. Get it? So, all of you are going for a retreat. Remember, when you go on retreat, you have to watch the mind. Look for the mind. Look for anicca dukkha natta. And then let it go. That's the sequence. Get it done once. Get it done twice. You get it. Okay? Any other question? I will be giving another talk here, 5th September. The next, woman the September. Now this is just evil. I will answer it slightly differently. Let me put it this way. If you are familiar with the history of Buddhism, of the Buddha's sasana, okay? If you're familiar with the history of the Buddha's sasana, you will know that every single individual who has realized in Buddha's time, because what Buddha will proclaim that they have realized, every single individual who had realized, realized through a simple discourse. A simple discourse that he had given. Many individuals realized on their own, they were given a discourse, they go off into the forest, they meditate, so they have what we call Dhamma, which was given by the Buddha, and Vinaya, which was the practice. So the critical thing, as the Buddha himself said, let the Dhamma, Vinaya be your guide. So throughout his time, in fact, the last thing he said, one of the last few things that he said to his disciple was, let the Dhamma Vinaya be your guide. Dhamma would be the discourses that he gave. Vinaya would be the practices he prescribed. 
So fundamentally, those are the two things which are critical. All those discourses that were collected and the Vinaya as a practice. And those suffice. If all you're interested, for those of you who are truly interested in realizing the Dhamma, entering the stream, for so of you who are very typical Singaporean, I want to be something, go somewhere, that kind of thing, the suttas carry all the answers. The sutta. So if you, for whatever reason, find it very difficult to be understanding the Abhidhamma part of the house, it's okay. Let it go. Just focus on the easier part of the house, which is Dhamma Vinaya. Okay? It's written down here, help yourself. <laughs> okay. Any other question? Any other question? Or anyone wants a paper to write? Or you can pre pro provide your own paper, also can. <laughs> okay, so uh, point number one is uh, I will be giving a talk here. 5th September, I was asked what's the topic, I haven't decided. Usually, usually I'll just throw out one name and then work around the theme. Uh, because the Dhamma is the Dhamma, I will have to cover for the World Trade Pub anyway. And all the aspects of it. Okay. The second point, um, when I do come back to Singapore, I, I do go around and give talks. Where I will be, I really don't know. It depends on the invitation that comes along. So what happened is some students have actually set up a website uh, on Facebook. Uh, sorry, if you're not a member of Facebook, sorry. It's on Facebook. It's called uh, Dhamma Fellowship. Dhamma Fellowship. And if you go to the Facebook and you click like, I'm told to say this, you click like, you will then be prompted to the speaking schedule. Okay? Uh, but it's actually not a website for announcement. Uh. It's actually for sharing the early Buddhism, the earliest teaching of the Buddha that, he, that uh, we take from the suttas and we present it. Sometimes we, they take uh, teachings from uh, Sangha members who are very good teachers and practitioners. We also take that and we post it. So it's a, it's a nice place to go to uh, to get a sense of what's going on in this community. Yes. Oh yeah, that too. Donny of Dhamma is set up by another set of students. That's where they put up the slides, the talks, the videos, the writings, the books, which you can't get volume one, is there volume two for free like, downloading. Because Dhamma Fellowship is new, it's just set up last week, a week before. <laughs> After a while, it'll be okay. Yeah. Whereas the Donning of Dhamma is very, it's much older, I think it's one year old. It's about a year old. That one collects the material, the writing, the talks, the YouTube videos, and so on. Okay? Any other question? Any other question? Yes. Uh, suppose you are, you know, some years are talking about exposure to many tools of teachers, right? You are talking about exposure to teachers, right? And then after that, 
to go to practice. So what happens if you are exposed to, say, just, just within Buddhism itself, they are exposed to Theravada, Zen, and then Mahayana, and so on and so forth. Then, do you practice all the three, or just choose one and practice, or what do you do? I know you don't like me. All the time you ask a hard question. For... I'm usually very clear. I would say it this way. Whatever that we do, we try to do by the timeline. Start from the earliest, then do whatever you want after that. So I will advise the student to go for the earliest first, the earliest time, and then when you finally realized the earliest ones, huh? the original, the early ones, you get it already. After that, where you want to go, your choice. Huh? Once, you, once you get the, the basics right, the fundamentals right, then you want to tack on the embellishment, you might guess. But if you don't even know the earliest, the basics, the A, B, C, how to form words, so my advice is go for the fundamentals, go for the earliest, get it right, and then subsequently if you feel really energised, so be it. Your choice. Okay? Okay? And others? Uh, for your info, Sister CDP is very, very high demand for Tamatong. <laughs> So whenever, anytime we can catch up with her, we will put her here and she will give you, uh, share with you a Dharma talk. Very difficult to get her. Now she's in up, even more difficult. So please put your uh, appointment and die on the 5th <laughs> September. And also as uh, Sister Sylvia says, gradually and slowly you will be getting enlightenment. So those people who attended a Monday night classes, Please continue coming in, <laughs> so it will be easier for you to be more or to get into enlightenment. Okay, uh, okay. I, I must add, add to what he just said, which is a very good point. Buddha said, okay, Panya, ultimately whether or not you get enlightened depends on Panya, yes? Panya wisdom. explain that there are two things you need to do to polish up the wisdom, to, to improve, to increase the wisdom. Two things. Parata Gohosa Doniso Manasikara. Parata Gohosa means the words, Gohosa, sound. Parato of another. The sound of another. What it means is gathering information, gathering data from an external source. In the time of the Buddha, they can only learn through sound, hearing, hence Gohosa. Today, Gohosa, don't make it literal, it's not just must watch YouTube It is also reading the Buddha's suttas, the suttas, very important. You can lay your hands, they are all online. So no need to fight. They're all online, especially the one translated by Bikubodi, but they is very good. Online, 
some are free for download, some you need to buy. But it doesn't matter, you don't need everything. Just need, you just need to collect. This part of the house is very important because if you don't collect sufficient Dharma knowledge, Dharma teaching from the Buddha, you don't collect enough, when you sit and your mind goes quiet, you've got no gohosa to hear. You have no knowledge coming forth in your mind when the mind is quiet. To know a nature, to know another. What is it, huh? And I'll die, must go back and read. You're in the middle of retreat, I'll go back and read. <laughs> so before you go for a retreat, read first. Build up sufficient store of knowledge. Park it in the mind, okay? The Buddha's words in the Nikaya. Park it. The second one, Yoniso Manasikara. This is the part most relevant for the ones who have read too much, have read too much, but never meditate, never practice. <laughs> Yoniso Manasikara means careful concentration, proper, correct concentration, attention paid to the mind. Reflection, observing the nature of the mind, see it as it is. How is it done? You've never done it before, doesn't matter. Go for a retreat, practice the, the skill of it. But the two must go together to build wisdom. Must go together. So if you have done a lot of Arata Gohosa, do some meditation. If you have done a lot of meditation and never quite read, do some reading. Otherwise, you one legged. One legged can't run very fast. I know. <laughs> Okay? <laughs> okay, um, thank you everybody for coming. Uh, before you all leave, I'm some announcement to make. On the 29th of August, there's another Dharma talk by Bande Siha. The topic is Effects of the Law of Karma in Our Lives. Then following, uh, following Monday of this, uh, Sister Siva's talk on the 5th of September. Then I'd like to know, uh, let's have a show of hand. How many of you are interested to have uh, to come to listen to Dharma talk in the month of November and December? Okay. We'll be arranging uh tentatively is on the first Monday of November and December. We'll keep you all posted. Right? Another announcement is we need some volunteers to help us to bring those orange-coloured plastic chairs down to the Mangala Hall. Right? Just now a few of them are <laughs> And the last announcement is, uh, there's some books behind. Some of the books are from Pandey Tamika. When the previous time he came for the talk, last month I think, uh, in May he came for the talk, uh, not enough for distribution. So we got some from him, you can take it, and some cards, uh, some cards and some stickers, some car decorations you know, can collect. All are free. Okay? And may I my brother Chi uh Guang, can you help to carry all the grey chair back to the second level? Thank you very much for attendance. See you again.